Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. My fiance. Hmm, so it's you, Kathinja. Stop whatever you're doing and return the spell book. Oh, that book. I discarded it. What? Quite a useful book, I'd say. I memorized everything in it. How about a spell that creates a star? That machinery. You're gonna use it to create a star? That's not all. I intend to make the stars move as I wish. No, you're not going to. That's right. I'm going to destroy the Earth by making all the stars fall! I won't let it happen! <laughs> Nothing can stop me now! Don't do it, my fiancé! And now, the greatest show of all time! No! Cool explosions and fireworks! <laughs> Um, okay. I, I guess that was pretty cool. Get out of my sight. This week for our guest professor, I am happy to introduce the famed voice actor, Mr. Sean Chiplock. Sean, thanks for coming on. How you doing, hey, my friend? Th- thanks for having me and for allowing me to briefly relive one of many memorable scenes from Legend of Mana. Oh, such a good game. Such a good game. But for people who might not be familiar with your name, but more familiar with work, what are some of the characters that you have voiced? Oh, man. Uh, I would say the immediate one that comes to mind would be either uh, Rivali, Teba, and the Great Deku Tree in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, I try to think of more recent stuff because that came out in 2017. And it's like, it's a, eh, it's old yeah, news. that's kind of a little game. I'm not sure a lot of people know of it. Yeah, um, it's probably like lost it's kind of, the sands of time at this Zelda point. Zelda is quite the obscure kind of niche, uh, <laughs> a franchise. Yeah, it was like it was a, a, a company that makes playing card games decided to yeah. make a video game. I don't, I don't know. So. Um, so Rivali Teba in the Deku Tree in Breath of the Wild, uh, Mishima Yuki in Persona 5. Um, on the anime side, I got to voice Subaru Natsuki in ReZero, which I'm extremely proud of. Uh, those, those are the main three. Uh, off of that, we've got Hummel in East Memories of Salsetta, um, or, I'm sorry, uh, Hummel in East 8, Lacrimosa of Donna. I was Ozma Gruda and Leo in, uh, Memories of Salsetta. Uh, Reen Schwarzer in Trails of Cold Steel. How can I allow myself to forget that one? I love Especially, that game. That, oh. I, the, the amount... I have yet to experience a game that has given as much life and focus and effort into characters that aren't 
the main protagonist and his motley crew mm-hmm. than the Trails series does. Just just all over, not just Cold yeah. Steel. I'm talking about Trails in the Sky, uh, Trails of Zero or I'll Know Zero. Like they, they all put so much time and mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. I fell in love with uh, your performance with Reen and everything. I Quick t- side tangent. For our website, I did our review and our guides for Trails of Cold Steel, the the PS4 remastered edition, and that's when I really uh-huh. sunk my time into it, and I just fell in love with it. And holy crap, is all I gotta say. Play it if you haven't. I, it's fantastic. It is just as much a product of the team that worked on it as it is the actors who performed. Because while I did come in exceptionally prepared for my role and and for both games or all three games at this point. It is because of Exceed and Brittany and the and the localization team, like, just really knowing everything that they needed to know about the game and the characters, that I was able to maximize the quality of my performance, to understand what was going on, why I was reacting a certain way. You know, even though I, I generally didn't get to see, or not generally, I didn't get to see what was happening in the game, only the text, but I was very easily able to visualize what it might look like. And in some cases, it was pretty damn close. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you meant that to be an East pun, because that, that, if you did, that was perfect. Easily, even though it's a different series, but you did work on it, so I appreciate it. I did not, but I will still take full credit. Nice. Accidental puns are the best puns, you know? Right? But, love, love your stuff, but we're here, you have a great voice acting career, I, I could spend hours just racking your brain with those, but tonight, we're here because you're a gamer, and you like... RPGs, just like I do, and we're here to talk about Legend of Mana and to get all you viewers or all you listeners back in the mindset of when this game came out. Let's take a trip down memory lane. Which, which is oddly relevant because we had the Secret of Mana remake, which I also voiced in, and now we've got the Trials of Mana remake coming out, and the team has expressed interest yeah. in modernizing the entire Mana series. Yeah. Um, we already had, uh, not Trials, it was... Not legend. What was the first Adventure. one? Adventure. Adventures of Mana. Mana. So yeah, and that like had that had two reboots. That, that had two reboots. So they have expressed interest in modernizing the entire series. Trials is already in production. We know this, which means the next one in the series would be Legend of Mana. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'll be sure to send this in whenever they uh, announce it to be like, hey, here's a here's a trial. Fi- Here's a little child dub. Oh my god. Like, I don't I didn't I never got auditions for Trials of Mana. I like I I, I mm-hmm. think by now they would have sent them out, and that may, that bums me out because I got auditions for Secret, but I have like already reached out to my agency, I've reached out to colleagues, I said, hey, if you hear anything about Legend of Mana auditions, I will there is a very small list of things I won't do in order to obtain those auditions. Like, the the Legend of Mana and Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles were, like, the two oh, games. Crystal Chronicles, I can't wait it, for that. It was, it, was, it was Dragon Warrior Monsters on Game Boy, Crystal Chronicles on the Nintendo console, and Legend of Mana on the PlayStation console. And those, those were the games that defined that era of gaming for me, for those consoles. Great, great titles. And speaking of the era... 
This game originally came out in Japan July 15th of 1999 and North America June 6th of 2000, almost 20 years ago now. Oh now, my it was God. actually a pretty big year for RPGs that this came out. We're going to be other notable releases from the year 2000, as you mentioned, Dragon Warrior Monsters, the the original ones came out 2000. Vagrant Story, Zelda's Majora's Mask, Diablo 2, Icewind Dale, Threads of Fate, we got Chrono Cross, Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows of Am, Skies of Arcadia, the Skies Game Boy of Color. Arcadia? Yeah. Yeah, Skies of Arcadia for Dreamcast came out in 2000. Oh my god. Keep yeah. going. Uh, the Game Boy Color ports of Dragon Warriors 1 and 2 came out, Final Fantasy 9, and Grandia 2. Like, this was, 2000 was a heavy-hitting year Damn. for RPGs. And there are course, so Legend many childhood Mania. makers in that game. Like, I oh, think no. I can think of at least one person for every single one of those games that you yeah. listed, except for maybe one or two, for, for whom one of those games was, like, the defining title of their early years. Oh, yeah. And to think, that was back when, like, we were concerned, well, we had lived through Y2K, that whole crazy crazy thing where we thought the world was going to end that was exciting we we thought we were going to get y2k like the bug and instead we just got fireworks like that scene we just dubbed yeah it's perfect it's so it's topical you know that we we worked that in we worked that in it was it was planned it was 100 percent planned 100 percent 100 percent but you have mentioned that this is a one of the pillars of this era in gaming for you so i would love sean to hear kind of your history with legend of mana uh when so did you get this game when it first came out or did you pick it up so, later i never actually owned the game for myself until about 10 years later um and the reason for that is because uh our family was a nintendo household like we had the mm-hmm. nintendo 64 we had the gamecube i don't really recall us having or making use of a playstation 2 but my f- my my best friend at the time, John Ratsky, he had the PlayStation, and I would go to his house probably once or twice a week. Uh, during the summer, it was as much as three or four times. Um, and we we would almost inevitably always end up playing uh, either Jay Cocoon 2 or Legend of Mana. Usually Legend of Mana, because we could do co-op. And one of the things that I always tell people is what was really interesting regarding my start of my career is before I even understood what voiceover was, I was already doing it without without realizing that's what I was doing. My When my brother and I would play uh, Bomberman 64, the second attack on Nintendo 64. Good game. We, we would take turns, like, voicing the bosses and the villains and stuff like that. And, of course, when John and I would play Legend of Mana, there's lots of NPCs in that game. So we would take turns voicing the NPCs. Um, and since, you know, they had consistent missions, you'd get to see them over and over and over again. Now, because of the inconsistency of us coming over or how often I would visit, we must have restarted a file on that game, like... God, I don't know how many times. I don't think we ever got past, like, the halfway point. I don't think we ever actually finished the game together on a co-op file. Um, but, uh, when 
I was at home on a summer vacation uh, about 10 years later. Like, I think this was this was somewhere between my freshman and, and sophomore years of college, something like that. We were I was at the point now where I was managing to make money from freelance, from doing small odd jobs on freelance sites for voiceover. So it wasn't to the degree of I'm doing this full time and paying for my own health insurance off of this. But it was still <laughs> like, hey, I made 50 bucks today and I spent not eight hours at a retail job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I decided to buy uh, a copy of Legend of Mana for myself, which at the time was about $133. <laughs> um, but so the first copy I got off of eBay was crap. It was it was burned onto a disc and it wouldn't go- load past the initial screen and I had to fight with eBay to get a refund off of it. But the second copy worked. Um, and, and I finally got to play through it and I, and I checked out a guide on like which order to place the artifacts that you could experience all the, the missions in one playthrough. And it was just so cool to, to finally get to go back to this game that I, t- that generally I only got to take bits and pieces, little snippets at a time and, and just go full bore into it and just experience it all at my pace and, and spend the time that I wanted to spend raising the monsters and spend the time that I wanted to spend like exploring the world and, and tending to my garden and talking to the NPCs without being rushed along. Uh, it was nice. It was a really, really nice nostalgic revisitation. Very cool. That's one thing that um, I missed out. I actually didn't get my copy of Legend of Mana until probably maybe three or four years ago when I was trying to fill out my uh, PlayStation 1 collection. And it was never... I was never huge into the Mana series growing up. It was always more of my brother um, and he... My older brother, and he would never let me play with him, of course, because (laughs) I was the the younger brother. But in the past few years, I've, I've gotten more into the Mana collection... Uh, the Mana series, I should say, and with Legend of Mana, and it's just it it blew me away the how well the art has held up. Yes, the art for sure. and the soundtrack. It, it's, <sighs> it's just beautiful. Back, um, oh my god, I'm trying. Okay, uh, do you remember when you fight Akronator, like the dragon at the end of the Dragon Quest, the boss fight, uh, the music goes, you know, like that? Yeah. So, so when I, when I used to play Adventure Quest, and Adventure Quest was the first browser game that I ever, I remember mailing physical money to get my account upgraded. This was back before the days of like <laughs> buying memberships on PayPal. This was send $15 to this address and we'll permanently upgrade your account. Anyway, whenever we would have the faction events where like you joined a certain faction and you, you went through the series of stages to like earn points for your faction. Mm-hmm. Anytime I played that, I would play that song in the background to kind of hype myself up. Legend of Mana music was was my jam for Adventure Quest grinding. Oh, oh it's my got God. some great. It's got some good beats to to hype you up and do some grinding. Like one of my favorite one of my favorite things to sing. Um, uh, when I on the rare occasions when I get to go seventy miles an hour on the highway. If you are ever driving down Pacific Coast Highway with the beach on your left or on your right, depending on which direction you're going, and you play the beach theme from Legend of Mana, that boop boop boo do 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 I it's uh with the wind hitting your face with the windows rolled down, it's the best. 
I'll have to try that. We ha- I I'm in Michigan, so we have a lot of lakes and and you have around, you so. have an even better one. You can play the the fig fields. The 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 crystal snowfields oh, yeah. one. That's true. When it snows and stuff, that would be a good one. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be a good one. What was like your weapon of choice? Because I, I I fell in love with the bow. I used the bow a lot. I was the staff. I really liked. I liked golden spires. I liked paint it black. I liked all of the special skills that the staff got. Um, mm-hmm. I once I was playing the game on my own and I was following the guide. I actually like experimented with the other weapons. Um, in order because you had to in order to get like some of the the special skills or the the yeah. special attacks and stuff like that. So I will, I will always be partial to the staff, but I really did like the glove. I did. I thought it was fun. Yeah. The glove. Shout the out gl- to the skill system, though, and how you learn new abilities. And it was annoying yeah. because there were guy dang it points at times, yeah. but I did, I did appreciate how you would randomly learn new abilities and you'd be so eager to try them out. Like, you didn't know you were going to yeah. learn something new until you got it, like, halfway into some random mission halfway through the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me uh, a bit of kind of the Elder Scrolls style where you get your uh, talents get better just by using a mm. thing as opposed to hitting a level. Um, granted, it still does things vastly different because you randomly will have to mix skills to unlock other skills right. and whatnot. But because I, I've, always, I've always loved that when you're you're rewarded and your abilities get better just by using them i always because i haven't played elder scrolls my my hey this is sort of like uh connection was tales of symphonia and their system where depending on if you went more uh uh special or technical Technical, yeah and 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 you know lloyd irving would go demon fang demon fang wait what if i did two at the same time (gasps) double demon fang (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. I, I I'm a huge Tales fan, so you speaking up about Symphonia is my jam. Now I'm just thinking about now I'm just imagining like Mitch Hedberg talking about. Well, I had my heart set on Triple Demon Fang. We were almost there. Yeah, it's like why stop at double, man? You have two swords. Infinite Demon Fang can't reach me if you keep getting hit by Demon Fang. Yeah, that's when you go into Overlimit and then you just spam it. That, that is also one of those moments that, like, as a voice actor, doesn't really hit you until you're, like, thoroughly into your career and you think back and you go, wait a minute, Lloyd, ba- Lloyd Irving was, was, was Robin from Teen Titans. What? Uh, yeah. What? What? And they replaced him. And that made me so sad for this uh, Dawn of the New World. That what? He wasn't, they replaced yeah, him? He wasn't Robin anymore. It was a big bummer. Oh, that sucks. You, the, the new guy did okay. It just it wasn't Robin, right? You know. I hope that's what they say about whoever replaces me in Breath of the Wild too. You know, the guy who replaced Rivali. He's, he's pretty good, but he's no nah. Sean. No, you're gonna live on like Charles Martinet, and you're just gonna be Rivali for all time. Let me preface with, by the way, I don't know anything about Breath of the Wild 2. Like, I 
I have no idea if any characters are returning. I actually hope they don't, because I hope Breath of the Wild 2 takes place underground, because we already did. Yeah. We did everything we could above ground. I want to see what's lingering under the, the city yeah. or the castle. Um, but if it does go underground, it's not, it's not really a place for a bird. Like, Ravali gets reincarnated as a mole person. <laughs> Ravali's anti-gale is now ready. <laughs> It just, did, it drops you straight into the earth. There you go. I'd buy it. I'd, I'd ship it. Uh, so what was, for the players that uh, may not have been introduced or haven't played this before, this game is organized a bit different. It doesn't have like a set, I wouldn't say it's a straightforward story. It's very quest-based, and then each a lot of the characters have their own individual stories that you go on as it progresses. There's not like a start. Right. It is. Which. Go ahead. I got lost. I got, I got lost, but it, it. I liked, though, how the aspect and how the game was structured, it forced me to explore and see yes. a lot of places. I so would I, describe I really it. I appreciated that. I would describe it as. Final Fantasy meets Mad Max. Um, because you've got the fantasy elements of Final Fantasy. Obviously, it's a square game. Of course, it's going to have those elements. But as you said, you know, the game, the whole crux of the game is mana has fallen out of the world and you need to bring it back. And and the, the final area, final boss, only shows up once you've recovered enough of the world's mana for it to be an option. But how you go about refilling the world's mana and bringing these places back to life is very non-linear because there's there's three overarching plot lines. There's the dragon plot, the fairy plot, and the Jumi plot. And you only need to follow one of them to the end before you get to the the, the final area. But as you said, you know, there you can either get the um, the next artifact for the next stage by completing the current stage that you're on, or there are times that you go into Domina, the first town that you place down after your house, and you talk to some random NPC, and next thing you know, suddenly there's a mission. Or you wake up uh, at your house after you recruit the two mages if you decide to recruit them and yeah. you're like hey where did the brother go and you talk to the sister and she goes hey where did my brother go and then suddenly a little mission thing pops up that goes where did her brother go <laughs> I loved uh, one of the missions that I particularly enjoyed was when you you met the walrit uh, the walrus pirate captain and all of his penguins oh uh, yes lackeys. Yes. And you had to fight the Medusa-esque creature. Yes, the Gorn. They were all getting... Uh, Oral! That, that I'll, I'll... Say it, Captain! We believe in you! I'll kill you all! And they're all like, yeah, yeah, he said it! He threatened yeah. us! Let's go! <laughs> it's like, you have, to be, you have to be meaner, Captain. You've got to be meaner, Captain! That that was a fun one. I also like Niccolo. Oh, my God. I would... Niccolo. <laughs> I would love to voice Niccolo if the dub ever came out. Oh, I need help finding all these customers, but I don't want to put any effort into it. You, you'll help me, won't you? <laughs> uh, such a such a great um, supporting cast in this. Um, so Inspector many roles. Boy, Tipo the Teapot, Miss Yuka, who's a canary, and not a chocobo. She said she'd drink all the water out of me. She did. I didn't want that to happen. 
kind of sounded like uh, David Tennant there. <laughs> I got a little David Tennant right there. Oh, man. Elazul. Matt Mercer should play Elazul. Definitely. Absolutely. That w- yeah, I could see that. That would be good. I could definitely see that. Who would He's got I... that kind of... The mysterious... The protector I... and chasing after the princess always. You know who would make a great prince of the depths of the darkness? The guy who transforms... Uh, what 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 are what are the the dog siblings? It's it's, um, damn it! The cat is Diana. I don't remember? Or Dana? The cat is Dana. Sierra. Sierra is the female, and her her brother, the prince who transforms her brother. You know who should voice him? Hmm. Keith Silverstein, because he's got that that <laughs> magic. Uh, if you hear his Doctor Wily in Mega Man Eleven, he's got like that very, you know, he mm-hmm. like someone who's got a very thin mustache that likes to preen it. And the prince is not this hulking brute; he's this very conniving character. Mm-hmm. I think Keith would do an amazing job with with the prince. Yeah, I could see that. I think that would be good. Yeah, I, I like your voice. Uh, your voice, our hypothetical. Uh, our dreamcast is what we call yeah, it. The dreamcast. I like it. Who would you who would be your your dream character to voice in this? Oh man. I know so many. Where are you in this dreamcast? I If we're talking my higher flamboyant range, probably Niccolo. Like I just really like Niccolo as a character. Mm-hmm. Um if we're talking like someone who's kind of, you know, the, the, the very, uh, gangster type guy, you know, the, the string bean who's always working to pay off his debt to Sotheby. I forget his name. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Sotheby says for each one of these guys we collect, he'll pay off 50,000 rubles. We'll be done in no time. Uh, yeah, you have to like, in one of the first mission with those guys, you have to trap a monster in the forest or something and then fight him. So the, definitely one of the versions of the Yeti. Definitely him would be an automatic strength for me. Or uh, you know, maybe his buddy who's just like, Oh, I'm gonna go ahead. Like, either one of them, I would <laughs> I, I definitely would have more fun with him though. He would be my strongest performance, easily. Um if we're talking lower range, I I wish I wish I had the gravel to play Sierra's brother, but I know I don't. Um So probably uh, the fire Jumi, uh, who you meet in, in Gato Grottos. Um, okay. I, I think if, you know, if we were to do one of my, my closer to my normal voice, you know, something here, um, where I'm trying to protect, you know, my, my Jumi friends, this, this would work well for that type of character. Mm-hmm. I like it. You're hired. I, I, God. I'll I, write I up want, the contract. I'll send I it over. The, I want the audition so bad. I want them so bad. <laughs> There's no guarantee. There's no way to, like, ensure that we get auditions for a specific project. It's all about mm-hmm. who we know and who we're connected with. Example being, I would have loved to voice for Etrian Odyssey, but all of the Etrian Odyssey games were dubbed by Cup of Tea, and I have no in with them. Like, they are a very rough company client to get in touch with or to become, like, part of their mm-hmm. talent roster. And since I didn't really work for them beyond Fire Emblem uh, Shadows of Valencia... I didn't get anything from them. So anything that they work on, I probably am not going to get auditions for. Who are you in Shadows of Valencia? Um, oh, God. Uh, I'm, I'm most of the, I'm some of the scene bosses, like 
uh, Darius, Wolf, Jerome, and I also okay. voice uh, the the sage that Alm talks to. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm hearing it now. I'm hearing it now. It's been a while since I've played that Fire Emblem. Yes, of course, voicing the old sage. I always enjoy playing older characters in fantasy games. So if they were to remake Legend of Mana, would you want them when? to when they do it Legend. in kind of the similar 3D style that they're taking Trials of Mana in? Or would you want to keep it kind of the 2D, maybe paint-esque or like hand-drawn sprite work? Like what direction would you want to see like I'm... be taken in? Okay. It's hard to say because <sighs> I liked Legend of Mana the way I played it, and I can see why people would want it to stay the same. However, I am mentally envisioning a 3D fighting space where I can throw paint it black and it will suck in enemies on a certain area of the screen, but I can continue fighting enemies that are outside of its range of influence, if that makes sense. And that sounds incredibly exciting to me. So, I I am fine with either. My answer to that is... I don't care. Just let me audition for it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, kind of more of a, a Tales-esque battle system. Uh, yes. I like I kind of thought of it kind of... more of, in my mental vision, I it was kind of more of a uh, Dark Cloud 2, where it was kind of behind the character rather than a side okay. view. Uh, okay. But, but I can see what you mean by the free roam Tales of Symphonia style uh, or Tales of the Abyss, and I'm okay with that, too. I'm all of these sound interesting to me. We just want a Legend of Mana remake. I just want it I want it remade and I want to do I want auditions for it. You want to do it. You want to do it. <clears throat> so which is your personal favorite uh kind of quest line in this? Your storyline. I always really enjoyed the uh the dragon one. I did. The Jumi the Jumi was the most interesting story wise. Um and the fairy was just a little too hard. Like I had to use a guide for the fairy one. But <laughs> <coughs> while Jumi had the more interesting story overall or the most overarching one, the dragon quest line had the coolest areas and the coolest bosses. Like the living wall of flesh in the hell area or the, the underworld, the fact that you got to fight like the three dragons in order to get access to the crystals um and Mm -hmm. and the fact that the death dragon came back like twice because he just didn't want to die um Mm -hmm. i i really it almost felt like the dragon quest line was its own final boss before you went to the real final boss whereas the other two storylines they kind of felt like yeah these are big bads but they're on the way to the last the last boss like yeah. when when you hear the music for the the dark castle when you have to work through it like just how long it takes to get to the dark castle if you're not using a guide by the time you're finished with that you're like oh I'm done with the game oh right that wasn't the last boss <laughs> I'm a sucker for dragons so that was that was my my go to too it's uh I I want to hug Sierra she's so precious <laughs> But for as much as we like this game and have fond memories, so does a lot of the internet, apparently. Oh? And we are on to our From the Web segment, where I take a look, I put the call out to the interwebs, and you respond with your favorite memories 
of this game. Oh, man. Starting off with Frankenscales from Reddit. He says, or they say, I really, really love the progression of collecting artifacts to place on the map, which then unlocks new regions to explore and stories to complete. There was even an elemental attribute affected by how you arranged them, and sometimes certain elements were required to unlock missions. I always made sure to put the underworld behind my house. For some reason, I found that very amusing. I did that too. I think my favorite storyline was jewel, was the jewel thief stuff, but I recall the last dungeon having at least one locked door with a randomized combination that was a pain to get. That was funny, like putting the underworld right next to your house. That's I like that idea. And, that's, that's and it, it actually had a good. I mean, the the guide to get all the missions had you place it actually quite a ways away. But uh, to to talk about, I think the underworld added like one or two, probably two or three segments of the shade element. But bringing up what they said, you know, certain missions were only available if certain areas had a certain elemental level. Like there is a mission in Domina where a a, a copycat is acting as like an evil version of you and causing problems for everyone in the town but mm -hmm. that mission only happens if Domina has a full uh, shade elemental influence so you have to place um, uh, artifacts around it that would in that among other things would increase its shade level or m typically what you did with the guide was you did it very late in the game but when you place the mana tree artifact down any space within one area of the mana tree automatically had all of its elements maxed out, and so that was the easiest way to do it for Domina. Um, but that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was a, uh, he brought up a good point that we, we really, really haven't touched on. There are so many deep and complex mechanical systems in this game. From uh, like placing the artifacts and dealing with the elemental attributes to the forging and item creation stuff It's nuts There <laughs> you never see this much complexity in RPGs nowadays. There is a Yahoo groups community Dedicated to the forging mechanics in Legend of Mana and I unsubscribed from it last year Because I, I just realized I wasn't gonna go back to it at this point for at least a long time but mm -hmm. At the time that I unsubscribed, at least once every couple of months, someone would make a post or update a post in that forum for the the forging mechanics in a 20-year-old game. And last year, people were still making posts to it. Yeah. Well, when I went back and played this the last time, because I played a, I restarted up a new quest to kind of get ready for this um, a couple weeks back, this discussion, and... I went on YouTube to look up stuff on the crafting and kind of the forging stuff. And there's like, it's a three-part YouTube series with three hours for each part. And it's like, holy crap. Yep. It's so deep and rich and complex. And I love it, even though I will probably never dive that deep into it. But the fact that it's there, I absolutely adore. I, I love complex complexity in my rpgs and that's why when you were talking about uh, natural doctrine earlier it just got my my blood pumping and i had to buy it uh, i love that complexity that i think a lot of games a lot of rpgs nowadays have kind of removed or um done away with so. right love it love it uh tale uh, Talize in Merlin from Reddit says, I don't want to understate how gorgeous and odd Legend of Mana was. Its non-human characters were especially distinctive. 
of a sort I hadn't experienced in the game before. In one of my first nights playing, I spent an entire evening going around Lumina talking to dud, bear, uh, dud bears. They have a cobbled together feel like they were held together by with stitches. Their vocabulary was a puzzle. I remember learning to distinguish between the D and B sounds and experiencing, experiencing the distinct gack when something went wrong. I took diligent notes and completed the quest on my own. From then on, I was hooked. Yep. That, for those who aren't aware, um, there is a quest, one of the starting quests for the Dragon Line in Lumina is you are helping a the owner, uh, the female owner of a lantern shop sell the rest of her lanterns while she's being uh, unsuccessfully seduced by this centaur guy who is basically the world's <laughs> worst bard. Um, but anyway, um, you're, you're trying to help her sell the remainder of her lamps. And in order to sell them, you have to sell them to these little bears called dud bears. The problem is... The dud bears only speak, they only say like, dud, dub, bud, bub, dubud, bub, dub, dub, and gak. And gak means, I don't like whatever is happening right now. But, um, so there's this, there's this tavern keeper who says, I've learned the language of the dud bears, would you like to learn? And he, he'll teach you as many times as you need to know. But you have to have conversations with the dud bears and correctly select responses to their questions. And it's not just random words. Like, the dud bear sentence will say, dub, 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 bub, bub, dub, 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 dub. And if you, if you actually learn the language and translate it, it says, you know, I am dud bear. You are friend? If you say yes, it goes to the next question. If you say no or buy this lamp, he, he's not interested. So you have to actually carry a conversation with the dud bears and get to the point where you can offer to sell a lamp before they'll buy it from you. And and like like the the person said, like there is an actual language and it's a puzzle that you have to learn. RPGs of this era, like like you had mentioned at the start, like this was an era like the PlayStation had so many great games that really tried complex and rich and different things and I love it. I love things like this. So uh, Renan13, or Renan XIII, I'll assume it's 13 from Reddit, says, I actually hated Legend of Mana growing up. I found it convoluted, overly complex, and directionless. Having played through the first three games, play, having played through the first three games through the collection of mana, however, I've come to really appreciate not only the franchise, but Legend of Mana in particular. It's the next logical step after Trials of Mana. It's complicated and convoluted, but deliberately so, and never mindless. Its approach to directionless gameplay is downright incredible, elevating it above most games from the era. In many respects, it reminds me of the original Legend of Zelda. There's a goal in mind, but players are mostly left to their own devices. I'm not too far into my current playthrough of Legend of Mana, but I've been finding it extremely refreshing. It's also the first game since Final Fantasy Adventure to actually feature a fairly solid story and undeniably has the best script of the first four games. I can easily see it becoming one of my favorite mana title titles, and I'm excited to finish it up so I can write a piece. Man, that was a thorough comment. What a roller coaster! Um, oh, I know. It, there are like there are parts I arc. there are parts I absolutely agree with, and there's parts that I can't comment on because like so so I was gonna say yeah I can understand if people think the game is really complex or convoluted. You know, for me I kind of avoided that because Legend of Mana was my first mana game, so I didn't have those previous games to mm -hmm. focus on it. But like conversely, a lot of people 
talk up Secret of Mana, and I'm actually kind of bored with it. Like, once once you realize that... I can't that, stand the AI. The AI kills that game for me. And, and, and the whole spamming magic to stunlock bosses, or you have to do it or else they'll just stunlock you. Like, that's, that's just... It doesn't work for me, you know? I was really looking forward to having, like, boss fights where I had to hit them and then avoid their attacks. And then as soon as I learned it was just spam a magic spell and they can't ever move and then they die. I was like, that's not... That's the opposite of fun. I don't want to do that. Um, so, uh, I, I can't comment on how it's the next logical step from Trials of Mana because I haven't played through it yet. But I really, really enjoyed the developmental process of that person's appreciation for the game and that was that was a fun comment that was that was a good read it was a good one and it it makes me think back and makes me realize that how different our views can be from when we first try something to like now and how our own experiences maybe influence our views and how we can realize things we missed that we didn't pick up when we were younger. That was perhaps a bit too complex for us when we were younger, but now that we are playing it, we realize it and we, we see we can appreciate it more. Yeah, and it's maybe that development is Go ahead. It's just warm and cut warm and fuzzy, I feel. You know, you're right. Maybe maybe in sixty years when I only have two brain cells left, I might actually enjoy Moko Moko friends. Yeah. Or yeah. Maybe, or maybe they'll just yeah. I I hope you can get your thirty bucks worth. That's all I'm gonna say. I whether I, it's throwing no. a party where everyone gets trashed and tries to play it, and you find enough joy in that to warrant thirty dollars, or you know just watching it burn and that's worth thirty dollars for you. I hope you I hope you get I hope you get your money's worth one I, one way I or the too. other. I do too. I do too. President FLE or President FL expert from Reddit says, first played it right after graduating high school and finished it the night before I left to go backpacking for a year. Took a burned copy of the OST with me and used it to fall asleep on trains, in airports, uncomfortable hostels, etc. Really added to the sense of wonder and adventure. About 15 years later, I I bought it and was <clears throat> And 15 years later, I bought and was renovating a house, trying to wrap it up before my first kid was born. Just me, an air mattress, a bunch of tools, and my PS2 my PS2 for a month. Legend of Mana was my go-to when I ran into trouble or was worried about my timeline. I want to play through it again, but I'm saving it for a particularly monumentous or stressful time. Oh, yeah. That was... The power of the soundtrack, man. Yeah, yeah. That was... Legend of Mana's soundtrack didn't have as much of an impact on me as it's it's still memorable, but like I can I can relate due to a different type of soundtrack because the soundtrack to Crystal Chronicles is what got me into Renaissance festivals. Um, because my one of my friend I had a friend named Jeff whose mom loved to go to Ren fairs, uh, and she didn't know about Crystal Chronicles, so I told her it was a Ren fair soundtrack. It was a Ren fair music CD, and she ate it up. She totally believed it. But it was all Crystal Chronicles music. Oh, so yeah. so that made the road trip to the Ren Fair way more bearable. So even though that's not Legend of Mana, that's my way of saying, ah, yes, I can identify with that that experience of it helping you through new areas and experiences. 
Now, now I have to ask: Do you have a a Renaissance Festival outfit you you go you wear when you go? I the first time I went, I just wore a black shawl and pretended to be like a mage or something like that. It was super basic, like mm-hmm. very low effort. Um, I haven't really had a proper Ren Fair costume yet, although my wife did buy one the last time that she went there. Uh, but I'm I'm down for it. It's just one of those cases where I don't think I attend Ren Fairs enough to make that kind of investment. That's all. Yeah, they are an investment too. Like. They're really nice, but ooh, to get your money's worth, you are you're spending a pretty. I penny. would rather spend that money on Renfair food and booze because it's way better. True story, true story. The Michigan Renaissance Festival is actually starting this weekend. Oh. I'm excited for that. You should go to that, hon. She's showering. Oh. I was like, did did he just call me hun? That what? <laughs> no, my wife just came home. <laughs> Uh, but no, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to hitting that up. And for our last comment from Reddit, we have Paragon Emerald from Reddit. I love the characters in the Jumi storyline so much from so much from the get-go, but I could never figure it out how to continue their story past a few quests. Then I would eventually go to the Underworld, do the Dragon's Quest, then I'd get the sword and the game would end. And I'd wonder what was supposed to happen before that, so I'd start again. I did almost the same thing over and over a few times before started before I started researching all the parts of the game that I was missing out on. It was the feeling that there was still so much more to do in the world, so many consequential choices and such a grand great modular hero who wound up fitting into so many different kinds of stories. Yeah, he he's touching on the the Jumi storyline and uh, doing the dragons quest I and think, stuff as well. I think like if you if you do a full because there are there are a couple different map organizations that will allow you to do every single mission of the game on one playthrough, and I think if you do them all, there's like 67 missions in the game. Um, mm-hmm. But a a normal playthrough, if you go in blind, you, you could expect to do maybe. 30 or 40 tops. I would say probably around 40 is a safe bet. And that's just considering all the missions of the three separate storylines. But but yeah, there is so much in the game that you can do that you may not be aware of at first. Speaking of keeping track of your quests, shout out to that cute little cactus in your room that updates their the little journal. No! Leaf. No! Because at one point in the game he leaves and if you don't know what to do and you keep going, you're gonna miss like four or five opportunities to record your mission with him like that's that's the mission where you have to you have to immediately take care of that mission if you want to continue being able to tell the uh have him record the stories and that pissed me off (laughs) so it's not like you have a little stress that you need to to work out a cactus was a thorn in my side oh i see what you did there that was a good one that was a good one For people, are you listening and are you thinking, man, this sounds like a cool game. Where can I get it? Well, luckily, I have the answer for you. It's still available currently on the PlayStation Store for PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita that you can snag for a nice low price of 6 bucks. Definitely worth the investment. It is absolutely. Or, it is absolutely so worth $6. 100%. So good. It's worth 
a lot more than that in terms of just the enjoyment and time you will spend in this game. New copies of the game on Amazon go for like 200 bucks. It is worth Mm -hmm. six. Yeah. And if you want to get go the physical route and add it to your collection for used copies, you're looking at between 20 and $50, depending on completeness, the last I checked and then uh, new copies will, will set you back a pretty penny. So be aware of that. And for new players that might be starting it out, we have some tips and advice for you to help ease you into the game. For myself, I'd say the format and the mechanics of this game won't clearly be spelled out for you if our description and talk so far hasn't alluded to that. But just have fun exploring and really trying out all sorts of things to get a handle on the game's numerous complex systems. There are tons of guides and resources out there because it's such an old game so really take in fact if you go to i think if you go to legendofmana.info it is like the most comprehensive site and it has like forging guides and placement guides it's very thorough yeah and there's a yahoo group dedicated to forging or uh to um forging equipment so check that out too sean what about you what tips or advice would you give new players to legend of mana um pick a pet that you like and, and raise it well, because you will come to love that pet and it doing all of its attacks for you. Uh, don't speed through text. Like, just really... It, it's easy for me to say this as a voice actor, but you will see multiple characters over and over and over again. And you will even see characters from one storyline show up in a different storyline from time to time, even if they're not directly involved in that story. So just for fun you don't have to voice it but just in your head spend the time to come up with a voice for them and how they would how they would say the line they're saying and i think you will find that you will be much more engrossed in the story as a result if you have this living world in your brain of what these characters sound like this is not a quick game this is not a linear you're gonna experience the same thing every time sort of game especially if you do multiple playthroughs and you don't use a guide so really give yourself a chance to become a part of that world and i i genuinely think you will find yourself enjoying it much more for that 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 was beautiful like honestly like that was such a great press uh piece of advice and i think it could be applied to any number of fantastic rpgs uh, like crystal chronicles and things like that as well so really it doing so really ingrains you and connects you deeper i think with the game so great advice sean everyone should do that for all the great games they play i think it's great and we move on to the monster of the week John, what's your monster of the week? Go ahead. It's 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 this bug thing called the Gorian from Natural Doctrine, which I mentioned. And to long story short, the 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 whole mechanics of Natural Doctrine involve linking attacks together in order to to destroy the enemy before they can do the same thing and destroy you. But these damn bugs, the Gorians, you would kill them, and then the game would be like, oh, that, that wasn't the only one. So since you killed one, we're going to replace it with the next bug. But that means the next bug gets to take its turn. So in trying to do the right thing, I would give the enemy an extra turn, and then they would kill me, and I'd lose like 15 minutes of progress. 
screw the bugs. Screw them. Like, I, I spent extra time grinding the dungeon so that I could beat this bonus boss that gives a super powerful sword that only does a special effect against the Gorians. But it, the special effect is like doing 10 times the normal damage. So all of my gunners would do like 200, maybe, or like 150 damage, maybe 200 if they did a critical shot. Meanwhile, my swordsman goes up to the final boss queen and hits her six times, dealing 2,500 damage per swing to instant kill her. And that was the most cathartic final battle I'd ever experienced. <laughs> well, there you go. The Gorian Bug Dudes from Natural Doctrine is your monster of the week. It will be added in to the end of the year tournament with all the other monsters of the week. I don't think they'll do well, well and I hope they don't. They don't deserve anything. Never know. They sound like pains, so it's very possible they could do well. Unless all the other contenders or all, all the other monsters have that special weapon that deals extra damage to them. You never know. You never know. I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Mr. Sean Shiplock for taking his time to talk about Legend of Mana with me tonight. It's been a honor and a privilege and a great time talking Excuse to me, you about for, this game. For taking time out of my day? My my good sir, you gave me an opportunity to talk about a 20-year-old PlayStation game. Or place, I think it was played, yes, a 20-year-old PlayStation yeah. game for a, over an hour. Thank you, sir. Nah, well... Well, who knows? Hey, you want to you want to talk about Crystal Chronicles sometime? I will when the remaster comes out because we know it's Sounds coming good. out, and 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 I'm gonna go all in on that. I'm gonna be online all the time, wanting to run missions with people. So yes, let's follow up will, once Crystal Chronicles will, comes out. We will set something up and do some Crystal Chronicles. But what for all the people? Uh, where can they find you on the interwebs? What do you got cooking? Twitter, Twitter is. Twitter is the best one. Twitter is easily the best one because uh, I have a Facebook, but it's mostly for personal stuff. I have a Tumblr, but ever since they, you know, made it more difficult to want to use their site, I don't really use it anymore. Twitter is the big one. That's where all the announcements happen. It's where I do raffles and giveaways whenever I get to announce new roles or releases. Um, it's where a lot of my, my slice of life thoughts happen. So definitely Twitter is the place to be right now uh, if you want to follow me up on stuff. And what is your Twitter? It is at Sonic Mega, like Sonic and Mega Man put together, at Sonic Mega. Well, at the time of this recording, we're about a week, less than a week out from Astral Chain. You're in that. Coming in October, you're, you're coming back as Reen Schwarzer. Can't wait for that. Yes. Um, and Rivali the Mole Person in Breath of the Wild 2, you know? Rivali's Tunnel is now ready. <laughs> And for me, everybody, I have been your host, Scott White. You can find me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. You can find me and all the other people from Irrational Passions at IrrationalPassions.com. We got a bunch of great video content. We got written stuff. You can find my professor RPG guides and other goodness over there as well. You can occasionally find me taking over our Twitch page at twitch.tv slash IrrationalPassions. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at IrrationalPod. Once more, I just would like to say, again, thank you so much, Sean, for coming on. It has been a blast. And until next time, everybody, have a good one.
Class thanks. dismissed. Thanks for having me.